Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. In 2014, today's guest started a company called Mile Method, a one-on-one service that helps Americans travel anywhere in the world for almost free by earning and redeeming U.S. credit card sign-up bonuses. North Dakota-born, Nebraska-raised, his travel experiences have evolved from study abroad student to broke backpacker to luxury traveler. He has averaged $13 per flight to 133 countries. Let that sink in for a second. While staying free in many of the world's most prestigious hotels. Please welcome to the show, Trevor Wright. Trevor, how are you? Doing great. This conversation has been five months in the making. Remember when I communicated with your team and I was just traveling too much and you were under the weather, but we finally connected. Yeah, I'm very happy to have you here. I actually heard you get interviewed on another podcast and I was like, stop everything. I have to have this guy on. I didn't know you. I didn't know your business. I know maybe a little bit about how it works, but I'm certainly no expert like you. So I'm really excited to learn from you today and share what you know with my audience. So why don't you take a minute and kind of walk us through your backstory? I guess first, how did you get interested in traveling? And then how did you discover this about the miles and decide to turn it into a business? I think a lot of your listeners we have a, a similar background up to a certain point. You know, for whatever reason, some of us have this international gene where we just wanted to get out there and see the world. Uh, I grew up in Nebraska, a small town, rural town in Nebraska. And I was lucky that my family kind of nurtured my curiosity. So family vacations to the Bahamas, Mexico. My dad had a bookshelf of National Geographics. And they even allowed me to study in Barcelona when I was 17. So because of that experience in Barcelona, I studied in Costa Rica and Mexico with several backpacking trips up and down Central America, relocated back to Costa Rica because of a girl, stayed there several years. And because of that experience, I ended up getting a job in at a U.S.-based study abroad company. And at the time, that was my dream job. That was my life goal, to work with students. But I quickly realized the low pay The actual program of sending groups of Americans to study together, speak English, didn't really align with my philosophy of wanting students to go have an immersion experience like I did. So during that time, I saved up money, decided to bicycle across South America from Colombia to Argentina. This ended up being a two and a half year trip. And it was really during this bicycle trip that it clicked that 
this is not a phase for me. You know, traveling, I'm not going to suddenly become more mature and want to get an office job. This was a lifestyle that I wanted to pursue. So towards the end of the trip in Buenos Aires, Argentina, the money was running out. And this is where the miles and points come into play. I had to find a way to sustain this travel lifestyle. So I, I just went a little bit crazy, became obsessed studying miles and points, going down the rabbit hole, spending a lot of time on these obscure forums, learning everything that I could. And eventually I compiled it into a system that I used. I actually put it into practice. So this was 2011 to 2014. I just went crazy. I traveled the whole world, every continent, Europe, Asia, Africa, the Caribbean for free. I mean, using the miles and points to travel for basically free. We'll talk about that, of course. And people noticed, my friends and family, they knew I had no money. How was Trevor traveling like this? I started helping them. And in 2014, so many people were asking for help that I, I turned it into a business. And like you said, ever since then, I've visited 133 countries, averaging $16 per flight. And you know, that's what we can talk about, that this is available for any American. If you're an American with decent credit scores, this is a tool that you should be adding to your arsenal if you're trying to create an international life. You know, you really can take flight and hotel expenses out of the picture. Amazing. I want to dig into the strategies and how this works, but you also mentioned something at the very beginning there about how this is not a phase for you. Traveling and living overseas and exploring the world is not a phase. And I really resonate with that a lot. I started traveling as a teenager and decided that I wanted to dedicate my entire life to this Yeah, when I was 16, 17 years old. And honestly, when I told people that I wanted to go to every country in the world and this is what I wanted to do, people would laugh at you. And it's like, well, you can do it now, but when you want to get a real career, you're going to have to settle down. You're going to have to come home. You know, I was born in Southwestern Ontario, you know, or when you want to have a wife or when you want to have kids, you're going to have to settle down. You're going to have to come home. And it's like, no, actually, we create our own reality. We can do anything we want as long as it is moral and ethic and we're not harming anybody. And it's within the realm of physics. We can literally do anything. And for you and I, that has been traveling and exploring the world. And look, both of us 20 some odd years on and we're still doing it. And I'll speak for myself on this one, but I still absolutely love it. Yes. There's a reason we keep doing this, but you, you make a good point. The societal pressure to do something so outside the norm it's real. My family, they've supported me, but that's not the case for everybody. So sometimes when you want to travel, when you want to live in another country, you're really fighting an uphill battle. And, and it's good that you have podcasts like this to learn how to do that. Well, I'm sure when you started traveling or you started looking around, same as I did, we didn't have resources. The only thing I ever had was a you know South America on a shoestring or Southeast Asia on a shoestring <laughs> Lonely Planet guide, a paperback. We were still traveling with these big bricks in our backpacks. Yep. Exactly. Like a thousand pages and you would mark up one and you would cross out and circle things. And I, I had a pen in that book and I just traveled around the world for a decade like that. That's all I did. Yeah. So now people, they really do have a huge advantage that it's become more commonplace to work remotely. All these digital nomads talking about their experiences, how to do it. And that's why I kind of feel like I was late to the game as far as traveling in a sustainable way. Before that, I was very much work, crappy jobs, save money, travel, be broke, work jobs again. And I was in this vicious cycle of that for a very long time. And uh, luckily, I was able to combine 
this very strange niche passion of miles and points and create a very valuable service with that gives my clients tangible results. So uh, it all worked out. It's working out. And I hope to teach some of your listeners how to do it themselves. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, when I was 19 years old and I was working in hospitality or whatever little random job I could get or working in a kitchen or I don't know, just to get enough money so that I could travel and then I would work again and save up money. And we don't necessarily have it figured out when we're that young age. But the desire and the drive to continue to explore was there. Anyways, I do want to get into the point. So first of all, explain to us just kind of at high level how it works, and then we'll dig into some of the details as we go. So the high level is you want to grab the low-hanging fruits. And for Americans, those low-hanging fruits are the credit card sign-up bonuses. So if you were to Google, say, how to travel for free, you're going to come across lots of blogs And a lot of these blogs, they focus on the wrong things, in my opinion. They're talking about the latest hotel promotion or some way to earn two points per dollar. None of that really matters. It's the whole 80-20 principle. You should focus on what gets the most results. So the most results with the least amount of effort is clicking buttons to be approved for a credit card, spending the minimum required on that credit card to earn its sign-up bonus. So that's really it. And then there's a lot of behind-the-scenes details that you kind of have to know in order to maximize earning all these bonuses over the long term. But just to put it in perspective, each one of these credit card sign-up bonuses is potentially a US to Europe business class one way, even a US to Asia. We're talking $5,000 plus if you're redeeming for business class. So people underestimate how valuable these bonuses are. And again, you can click buttons for a few minutes and earn them. So that's what you want to focus on. Okay. So that's a good high level. So people at least know what we're talking about. I guess the second question on everybody's mind is, is this for them? So you did mention that it's only for Americans. I'm not an American myself. I'm a Canadian. Are there any similar programs for Canadians or for Europeans? Or is there a possibility of having a company in the United States and getting corporate credit cards that would work for this? You'd be surprised how many non-Americans contact me. They come across my information and they, they want to get involved. And unfortunately, it is very difficult to do in other countries. In Canada, there are a few sign-up bonuses. In the UK, there's some bonuses, Australia, but it's not nearly as lucrative as it is in the United States. I do have a few non-American clients who do have residency U.S. social security number. They've been able to do very well, but you do need the social security number and some credit history. And that's it's not easy to obtain. So it's not my specialty working with non-Americans. Okay. So today's episode is really for Americans. (laughs) So sorry to all of my fellow Canadians or my friends who are Europeans or in Australia. Maybe this episode is not for you, but I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot of travel during the episode. So you might want to stick around anyways. Okay. So that's good. We've answered what is this and who is it for? Let's dig into some of the details because I have questions and I don't really know the order to put these in, but some of the things that pop into my mind are what kind of miles are we talking about? Are we looking at one flight company like Star Alliance over One World Alliance or you know larger organizations? On that front, what should people be looking for? When I listen to your questions, it really reminds me that none of this is is that straightforward. There is a lot to learn. So you can use American 
miles, say from the major American airlines like American Airlines, United, Delta, you can use those same miles to travel internationally by redeeming them on partner airlines. So that's how I've been able to visit every single continent by using sign-up bonuses from the United States. You can fly European carriers to Europe redeeming American miles. So that is one of the tricks that people don't understand. These miles and points are highly versatile, travel anywhere in the world for the amount of taxes. Yes. Okay. So usually when I deal with miles, I pick one group, say One World Alliance, and I'm trying to get a gold membership or a platinum or work my way up the ranks. It sounds to me like that's not the strategy that you're looking at at all. Not at all. So again, looking at the big picture, all of what I do for my clients is earning the most free travel for the least amount of money. So what you're referring to is actually paying for flights. So in order to gain elite status with airlines, you basically just have to spend a lot of money and then they reward your loyalty by giving you certain benefits. So here's, this might be eye-opening for a lot of people. Let's say you spend a lot of money with a certain airline and then you get free upgrades. And we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and actually sitting on the airplane. So we're, we're talking time and money. But if I want to sit in that same seat, all I need to do is redeem more miles. So business class or first class generally costs three to four times as many miles. So when you've earned all these different sign-up bonuses and you have significant balances across many different types of airlines and hotel programs, you can choose how to use them. Economy costs less miles. But if I want to sit next to you after you've spent tens of thousands of dollars being loyal to an airline, I just redeem three times as many miles. So you really do have lots of options with these miles. Okay. Now, when you have the credit cards, I understand about the sign-up bonuses, but are you continuing to use those credit cards to get a certain amount of miles that come as a bonus for dollars spent? Or what does that look like? So again, a lot of this is contrarian thinking because it's not about spending money on the credit card or with a certain airline, like you said, to be loyal to them. The only thing you care about, if you're trying to really hack the system, which is what I do for my clients, you only care about spending the minimum required on each card, you earn its bonus, and then on to the next one. Spend the minimum required on a certain credit card to earn its sign-up bonus, on to the next one. And you do that over and over and over. Of course, you need to know how to structure those applications. And then 12 months later, you can either cancel or downgrade those cards to avoid unnecessary annual fees. But there are certain credit cards as well that have incredible benefits, especially hotel cards. So there are hotel cards that give you free breakfast, the highest tier elite status, which includes free upgrades, statement credits, uh, and basically just simply by having a certain hotel card, they treat you like a VIP customer when you arrive to the hotel. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Sorry to ask the same questions in different ways on the normal standard ways that people are collecting points. But what I want to do is try to showcase that there is maybe many different ways that this can be done, but the most efficient and the most effective way is really the bonus itself opposed to the other things. Because I assume that the way that the credit card companies have set this up is that they're going to be giving you the bonus with the hopes that you're going to stay and use this credit card for your everyday purchases for the rest of your life. Exactly. That's how the credit card companies win. 
That's not necessarily how the credit card holder wins. So there is a way to game the system by simply getting the bonuses, canceling, and not falling into the other traps that are profitable for the banks, but work against you. So there are certain golden rules to this whole system, which are very simple. Never carry balances, never pay interest, always pay off your monthly balances in full. Basically, the common sense rules that you do not to fall into debt with the credit card companies. Yeah. So personal finance 101 when dealing with debt, the same type of things would apply for this then. Exactly. Okay. So, so far, everything makes perfect sense. Now, you said that there's golden rules. Are there any other golden rules that you would want to follow? Or is it really just on this personal finance side? On the personal finance side, it's, again, more common sense. Never miss payments. A lesser known one is when you have a personal credit card, each credit card has a certain credit line. So you might have a credit card with a $10,000 credit line, or if you're a big spender, you might have a $50,000 credit line. But whatever that credit line is, you do not want to use more than 20% of the total available credit. Or better said, you do not want the statement to close with more than 20% of the credit utilized. So this is where it gets a little bit more uh, into the geeky details. So each credit card has 30-day periods. There's a statement period. And then there's the payment due date, which may be different than the statement period. So again, if you're trying to improve your credit scores and not allow the statement to close utilizing more than 20% of your available credit, you really want to pay attention to the statement closing date and not the payment due date. Okay. So that makes sense. So then under the same vein of thought of conversation, are there other ways that you know to increase your credit history? So the credit history is just having active credit cards open as long as possible. The the major trick to do that is just to keep a no-fee annual card open forever because it only gives you benefits. So a very common mistake I see is people close their credit cards, where in a lot of those situations, you should be downgrading those cards to a no-fee credit card and then just throw it in a drawer and keep it open forever. With one small asterisk, you do want to make sure you put maybe a single transaction on those cards once a year so that those cards are not closed due to inactivity. So if you have a card that's been open for 20 years, but you're not paying any annual fees whatsoever, and you're not even using it, it does, you do not have to spend on it, that 20-year credit history is going to skyrocket your credit score. So you really do want to keep no annual fee cards open forever. Okay. Amazing. Okay. So that makes sense for credit history. What about for credit score? Is there anything else that you do or you work with your clients on, on increasing their credit score and improving it? Yeah. Besides those things we discussed before, never missing payments, not allowing your statement period to close with 20% or above credit utilization. There is one very easy hack that is probably the number one thing you can do if you're right on the edge of having credit scores to make you eligible for these bonuses which is about 700. So if you're at below 700 and you want to do something that'll quickly raise your credit scores, you can be added as an authorized user on someone else's credit card and you absorb their good credit profile. So the best way to do this is probably with a family member. So maybe you have a parent uh, who has an old credit card with a high credit line. So the older the credit card and the higher the credit line, if you were to be added as an authorized user on that card, probably within 30 days, you'll notice a significant bounce increase in your credit scores. So that, that's a very quick thing you can do to increase your credit score 
and start to become eligible for these very lucrative bonuses. So what you would do then is you would talk to your mother or your father or something like this, or an aunt or an uncle who you trust, well, more importantly, trusts you, have them call the credit card company and ask to add you. Now, you would get your own credit card with your name on it, and it would be under their credit line, or you would have permission to use their credit card. So the easiest way to do this is when that person does contact the the bank or the, the credit card company, they would need your social security number. They simply say, hello, I'd like to add my son or daughter as an authorized user on my credit card with the social security number. And then they will send that new credit card to that same person's address. So you don't need to spend on it. You don't even need to have it in your physical possession. Wow. Once that card arrives in the mail, your mom or dad or other family member can just throw it in a drawer. That's it. You just absorbed the credit history of that person. Wow. So, and then how do you check and actually see if the work that you're doing to improve your credit score, how would someone check to see if it is working? There are free credit reporting agencies. So there's one called creditsesame.com, Credit Karma. These are proxy credit scores. They're not 100% accurate, but they do give you a general idea of what your credit scores are. And probably the best one to check is also free. It's just Experian.com. And you can open up a free account and get an instant credit report for free. And even their phone app is great. I use it all the time. And you can set up alerts. So you can track it in real time when your score is going up and down. So those are all free sites. Okay. That's really interesting. This is not something that I deal with very much living as an expat. You know, I left Canada 20 some odd years ago. So credit scores and all of this is not something I deal with on a daily basis. So it's it's good information for sure. So let's say that you have worked hard, you've got your credit score above 700. Now, how are you choosing the programs? Are you just going straight for the one that you find that has the most bonuses? What's the next stage look like? So there's two avenues you can take. You can try to figure this out yourself. That's what I did, of course, way back in 2014, seems like many lifetimes ago. And that would just involve a lot of study. You know, go to these different blogs, go to these different forums, because, and I'm not simply saying this to push you over to my side, which is I can help you with my service. There is a proper way to structure these applications. So each card, each bank, they have different rules as far as eligibility goes. So you want to, if you apply for the wrong card in the wrong sequence, you will be ineligible for future bonuses. And I know that sounds a little bit strange if, if you're not in this world, but when each of these bonuses is potentially a $5,000 to $10,000 business class one way, that is significant lost money if you're making mistakes. So basically the, the best way to maximize these bonuses is you have to learn the proper sequence based on your unique eligibility, which basically means your application history and your cancellation history. Because of course, if you've applied for a certain card, you may not be eligible for it again until you meet certain requirements. So it's a little bit of a vague answer because every single person's situation is different and their eligibilities will be different than mine, for example. Okay. Now, let's say either working with you or trying to figure this out on their own, is there going to be a max amount of cards? Are you going to run out of cards to apply for one day? Like, is this a, a fixed size of the marketplace? Like, I really have no idea how this works. 
So I've been a receiving signup bonuses since 2011. That's that's over a decade. The way I've been able to do this sustainably is one by following the proper sequence to maximize these bonuses according to my eligibility. But another thing I've done too is my parents are involved. So we are basically 3xing our signup bonuses between three different people. So of course that's not going to be everybody's situation, but I might apply for certain cards and then wait six months. My parents apply for those cards. And then we just do this whole sequence over the long term. So we're constantly earning sign-up bonuses between three people. And what this system has allowed is my dad does not set foot on a plane without being in business class. I once booked him Emirates first class with a shower, a stand-up bar, unlimited food, unlimited drinks. And now he thinks that that's normal. He expects every, <laughs> every single plane to have a shower on it. And that's just an example of what happens when you do this properly. You basically have unlimited travel because you have significant balances of miles and points that are available when you want to travel. Okay. Now, your parents, it sounds like they enjoy traveling. But what about with other families if the parent does not enjoy traveling? Are there ways to transfer miles from one account to another account? You don't need to transfer necessarily because you can redeem miles and points for friends and family. In practice, the airlines have no idea who your friends are. So you could be booking for random people. You could even be selling miles uh, <laughs> to strangers. I'm not recommending that, but it is possible. So if your parents do not want to travel, maybe a way to convince them to give you access to their miles and points is saying that at some point you will travel. At some point, maybe there'll be an emergency. There might be a funeral, unfortunately. So when those situations come up, you can say, well, we'll use your miles to make sure you don't have to pay for any of those flights. Because as you know, last minute flights can be very expensive. Again, this is not a situation for everybody. Some people may not have good relations with their parents. But I do want you to know that it is possible that you could be tripling up on these miles and points and have unlimited travel for years and years and years by getting your parents involved. Okay, so that's amazing. Now, talk to me about the points themselves, because I imagine if there's so many different type of point programs out there and you're collecting many different types of points, like how do you redeem them or what should you be focused on when you're collecting the points so that you're not spreading yourself too thin? Yeah, there's two sides to this. So a lot of people are still paying for flights. So this, this is actually a good tip. So if you're paying for a lot of flights, which if you're an American with good credit scores, we can stop doing that. You earn miles from sitting for paying for a flight and sitting on that actual flight. So let's say you have, you're flying American Airlines, a paid flight. You're going to earn miles for that flight. But let's say you fly Iberia to Spain. So Iberia and American Airlines, they're both part of the same alliance. It's the One World Alliance. So you may not go to Spain very often. It won't help you to have a couple thousand Iberia miles in the account. So what you want to do, anytime you fly within a certain alliance, you on a paid flight, that's a, a key factor, you want to make sure you credit those miles to a single account. So for One World, I would recommend American Airlines. Keep it simple. So anytime you fly an airline within the One World Alliance, which is a lot of different airlines, 26, I believe, credit to American Airlines. Anytime you fly within the Star Alliance, which again has many different airline partners all over the world, you might want to credit to United. So you accumulate all your miles to your United account. 
And then the, the third alliance is called SkyTeam, Delta and other airline partners. It probably makes sense to credit all your paid Delta flights to your Delta account or any other SkyTeam alliance to your Delta, if that makes sense. So what you really want to have is one account on each one of the main organizations and then inside of that organization, find one airline specific points and try to push all the points to that one. Yes. And again, this is for paid flights. The strategy is a little bit different when you're earning signup bonuses for almost free, because then it really doesn't matter that you have all these different miles with different programs. Because it's not just a couple of thousand miles. We're talking 60,000, 100,000. And that's enough for a business class one way or two US domestic round trips. So if you end up having 100,000 miles or points with each airline program, in practice, the way that works is if you want to fly from the US to Europe business class, maybe you use Delta miles to fly to Europe. Let's just call that 60,000 miles. And then you use American airline miles to fly back. So you're mix and matching different programs. And that way you can end up using all the different miles from different accounts. Okay. So the credit card companies with the sign-up bonuses are giving you out miles for specific airlines. Yes. They partner with airline programs and hotel programs. So these sign-up bonuses might be Delta miles, American Airline miles, United miles. And then you have transferable points. And these are programs like Chase. American Express, Citibank, there's a few others. And these different bank points also transfer to different airlines like United, Delta, many, many, many different programs. Okay, cool. All right, we're just going to take a quick break. So my friend Marco Wutzer from episode 137 has a foundational course on crypto and blockchain technology. And I really want you guys to take a look at this. I've been through the course myself and I actually learned a lot. Now, I've been in this space for about five years now and I've made a lot of money and I've lost a lot of money and, and I've made a lot of money again in it. But more than that, it's really about the technology. It's how this is shaping the landscape. And you know what? These things are not going away. Actually, it's becoming more and more prevalent in our life. There's new projects that are coming out, which are really going to change everything. And I don't want you guys to be left behind. So if you want to get up to speed with what is happening, and even if you have bought and sold Bitcoin a couple of times, but maybe don't understand every single thing, if you don't consider yourself an absolute true blue expert when it comes to crypto, then I think this course is very valuable for you. All you need to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash leap. That's L-E-A-P to check this program out. And I think you're going to really like it. So go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash leap. Okay, let's jump back into the interview. I have another question here. Now, what we're seeing in the world right now is a massive devaluation of US dollars and local currencies and everything printing press being turned on. I would assume that there is a certain amount of inflation built into points. So a 100,000 worth of points today in 10 years from now is going to be worth a lot less. First of all, is that true? And second of all, are you encouraging people to actually use these points as fast as they come in so that they don't do value? Or, or what's your thoughts on this? So yes, that is true. That's across all world currencies, government currencies, 
any type of loyalty program account, yes, there's devaluations are just the name of the game. It's unavoidable, but it's a non-issue because even though the redemptions are increasing. So when I was doing this, say 10 years ago, you could fly from US to Europe for 15,000 miles. Now that's about 30,000 miles. That's double. But the reason it's a non-issue is that the signup bonuses keep increasing as well. Because you have to keep in mind that the reason these banks are giving you the signup bonuses is that they're fighting for your business. So there's this unique competition happening between the banks where one bank gives you a bonus and then the other bank is like, oh, we need to match that bonus because if not, everyone's going to leave us and go to this other bank. So the infighting between the banks actually benefits the consumer because the bonuses just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger as the redemptions increase. So it's a non-issue. Well, it kind of reminds me of the relationship between minimum wage and inflation. It's like, oh, inflation's eating away things, but then minimum wage is going up and you have to keep putting minimum wage up because inflation keeps going up. So actually things, they don't benefit anybody who is trying to save or put money in the bank because it gets eaten away. But you know, all of these things have relationships with one another. Yeah, and let me remind you, the main difference between the minimum wage example and what we're talking about, it's much easier to earn the signup bonuses because you can sit at your computer click a few buttons for 10 minutes and get a round trip to Europe. So the equivalent of working minimum wage to, to earn that same round trip to Europe is weeks of work. <laughs> true, true. Compared to 10 minutes. So, Well, let's get into the time frame because I want to understand, is this just a, a 10 minutes or is this a full-time job? Or you know, how much does someone need to dedicate to this if they think like, this is an amazing strategy, I, I want to put this in play? So it almost seems too good to be true. And that's what I deal with constantly, especially when someone comes to me and, and they don't know who I am. They, they don't know anything about the system. Telling someone that they can click buttons and earn a $5,000 one way anywhere in the world, it sounds crazy. I, I completely understand that. So as far as time commitment, that is true. It takes 10 minutes to apply for a credit card. And Depending on your credit profile, you you may be instantly approved or it may go pending and it needs to process for a few days. But in the end, that's 10 minutes of clicking buttons. So the actual time commitment with this whole process is, one, you need to be a little bit more organized because you're going to be managing multiple credit cards and multiple different airline and hotel program accounts. So here's a good tip for your listeners. There's a free website called Award Wallet. So awardwallet.com, and it's like mint.com for your financial accounts. So mint, you have a single username and password, and you can add all your financial accounts and access them in a single location. Award Wallet does the same thing for your airline and hotel program accounts. So that's an easy way to track all these different programs. And what I do with my clients as far as tracking their active credit cards, their canceled credit cards, it's just a spreadsheet. There's a certain system I've implemented that works very well over the past 10 years. But in the end, it's just a spreadsheet. So you always know the status of each credit card, whether it's canceled, active, or downgraded. So again, you have to be a little bit more organized. But even that is maybe an hour every 90 days to track this information. An hour every 90 days. Yeah, that's very doable, I would think, on staying on top of it, especially when we were talking about all of the benefits and the bonuses that would come with this. And I will add, so that is on the earning side. Okay. So as far as earning the signup bonuses and making sure you're organized and tracking it, 
And then there's the redemption side, which is actually redeeming your airline miles and hotel points. And this is where you can get as crazy as you want to get, because there are lots of tips and tricks for you know free stopovers on one ways, ways to, to structure your flights where you get a free one way between two different trips. So those are different things where you kind of have to study and learn. So if you're really trying to maximize, you can go deep down the rabbit hole. If you're just trying to get from A to B, it's not so hard. You can do it all online. Okay. Amazing. This is super interesting. And it's the first time in my life that I'm going, oh, there's a benefit for being an American. Well, I was joking around with Trevor earlier and I was saying, it's okay. As a Canadian, we can get rid of our tax bill from US citizens. It's very difficult to get rid of your tax bill. So Canadians, we've got that. <laughs> they get the flying bonuses. But okay, let's hear some examples. Because I mean, right now we've we've gone through a lot of the technical things, you know, understanding how it works, the miles, the strategies and things like that. But I mean, you've traveled a ton in your life. Like, can you give me some examples of flights that you've been on or what it was worth or how that was kind of all fit together? Yeah, even just, I'm in Denver right now. I'm visiting my parents. And a month ago, I took a six night trip to Costa Rica. So the flights, round trip flights from Denver, plus six nights at two different hotels. So I stayed at a Hyatt property, beach resort in Guanacaste, the, the northwest coast of Costa Rica. And then I stayed at the W Hotel, which is a Marriott hotel. So this six-night trip to Costa Rica would have cost $6,200. And I paid $178 total. So again, this is just a six-night trip, Denver to Costa Rica. The retail value was over $6,000 and I paid 178 in airline taxes. And then the W Hotel had a resort fee, which is annoying, but unavoidable. That's one example. That's a recent example. I think over the last six months, I've flown to 18 different countries. I'd have to double check, including a most recent London to Denver business class one way, which would have cost $11,000 retail. And I paid $600 in taxes. So these are just a few examples that people underestimate how lucrative these bonuses can be. No doubt. Do you have any favorite airlines that you like to travel on or favorite first class or business class? You mentioned Emirates earlier for your father, but uh, I'm a curious your opinion. So I have one client who I've been working with for almost two years. And about a year ago, he messaged me and said, Trevor, I had no idea that in business class, you have a lie flat bed. So Again, I'm in my own world. I assume that people know certain things, but let's let's define what we're talking about. Business class and first class are floating hotels. We're talking a bed. The flight attendant will tuck you in. They will make your bed with sheets. They will bring you unlimited champagne, five-course meals, slippers, amenity kits. When you're maybe transiting different airports, you also have access to the business class and first class lounges. When I was in Tokyo on, it was a Japan Airlines business class lounge, unlimited sushi. And this is not 7-Eleven sushi. This is gourmet sushi. So the experiences of these, these premium seats, they're special. They're, if you've never experienced it, it's worth doing at least once in your lifetime. And then this is a good tip for your listeners. Within the United States, the business class and first class, they're not that special. You don't necessarily get the lie flat beds. Business class might be a little extra leg room and a sandwich. So if you're accumulating these miles and points, I would recommend you save them for these aspirational type redemptions. 
whenever you cross an ocean is a good idea to look at business class. So I've flown Emirates first class, which again, my dad has flown shower. You have your own spa, you have your own stand-up lounge area with, with drinks and your own bartender. Etihad business class, first class is pretty incredible. There's a lot of very good business class and first class cabins outside the US, which again, these are floating hotels. So if you can click buttons and experience these cabins, why not? I think you should. Yeah, we have basically a rule in our household. If it's a night flight or the flight is going to be more than four hours, then we have to fly business class. And really, I do it for two reasons. Number one, for my back. I just can't do eight hours in economy class. My back will not take it. And number two, it's how I arrive when I get to this place. Because normally, I'm traveling for business. And if I have a lie flat bed and I can sleep all night long, and I show up, hit the ground running and can get right to work and, and doing things, that's amazing. If I'm jet lagged for three days and my back aches and I didn't get a proper night's sleep and I'm on the wrong time zone now because I didn't rest, I mean, the opportunity cost of my time, it's just not worth it. I'm better off to spend the money and I have to pay full fare for everything. Now, I do get a level bonus. So sometimes I'll get free upgrades and things like that. But I mean, I just flew Turkish Airlines Panama City to Istanbul a couple of weeks ago, business class. It's a 13-hour flight. Yep. There is no way I am doing that in economy class. I have meetings starting the moment that I land. Within two hours, I've got meetings and I've got stuff to do. Now, Turkish Airlines is unbelievable. I was so impressed with them. And I've flown Etihad and Emirates and Singapore Airlines business class and those ones as well. But I was well impressed with Turkish Airlines. I thought they did a great job. Yeah, I flew business class Turkish Airlines recently. It's a very nice business class cabin. You make a good point. Isn't it amazing to think how we used to travel? And when we were younger, how all of that just seemed normal. We're not so young anymore. So yeah. I, I also <laughs> appreciate the business class because like you said, it's priceless arriving to your destination, feeling good compared to just achy and tired. It does make all the difference. Well, I think when we were young, we had all the time in the world, but pretty much no money. Now <laughs> we've got some money, but not all the time in the world. So, you know, you're going to trade dollars or you're going to trade time. I mean, you started traveling and you were telling us about your amazing trip cycling through South America. I took 18 months and I hitchhiked through South America in, you know, 2002, 2003, all through Latin America. I mean, I was spending between, you know, eight and $10 a day to live, you know, <laughs> like it was just absolutely nothing. But at the time, the point was I wanted to travel, like, and I wasn't going to let money stop me. Now that I have more resources and more money and that what you're teaching can potentially help a lot of people, I mean, why wouldn't you take advantage of these types of things? Why wouldn't you travel in a little bit of style and give your body a break and, and rest properly and eat nice food on board? Exactly. In, in a way that my whole outlook on travel has evolved, I very much still have a backpacker mentality with luxury tastes because now you can fly these business class cabins stay in the five-star hotels for less than a hostel yeah that's crazy <laughs> even the resort fee i paid recently at this thousand dollar a night w hotel in costa rica was 35 dollars. so not all hotels have these resort fees but that 35 dollars is still less than a hostel would cost in costa rica right now well i mean I understand that having the taste of luxury, but a backpacker's type of mindset. 
I would consider myself, I don't know exactly how to say this, but like, I like value and I have no problem spending a ridiculous amount of money or what might some might consider a ridiculous amount of money on something as long as I see value in it. I mean, I've spent millions of dollars on travel, but for me, it's the greatest you could ever spend money. It's having experiences. Now, before I met my wife, she was very much into handbags. And if you guys have been on my email newsletter for several years, you probably remember the story about our shipping container getting stuck in Panama and the government threatening to destroy all of our stuff, including probably twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars worth of LV handbags owned by my wife. We don't spend money on things like that. Like we don't really care about designer brands and things like that. But you know, traveling first class or business class or going on another trip or exploring a new country, absolutely, I will spend money on that. And for me, it is money well spent. So it's the value proposition for me, which I think is really important. And I would say that what I do, it works for different types of people. So if I had to define who are the main people who could benefit from earning these sign-up bonuses, there's a lot of people I work with who have set vacations, say couples who want to take a yearly vacation or a honeymoon, but really upgrade their honeymoon. I mean, really go all out. We're talking the best hotels, business class. That's one set of people that I work with. On the other side of the spectrum, I work with a lot of really high net business owners who just never want to fly economy. As we discussed, they have important things to do. Time is money. They want to arrive rested. They want to fly these $10,000 flights, but they got to where they are because they also appreciate value and they don't want to spend 10000 So they're doing it smarter through signup bonuses. And then another big group of people, which I would say about 50% of the people I work with are digital nomads. And this is a really interesting category because I would say I fall more into this category. These are people who might not have a set destination and they're just flying all over the world all the time. And the way the signup bonuses work for them is they can book one ways, like if it's less than five hours, maybe economy. If they're crossing an ocean, they can upgrade to business class. But the point is, They've knocked out flight expenses while they're working their business, which may or may not be a, you know, a highly profitable business. Maybe they're just getting started. But when you don't have to pay for flights, you can reinvest. You can have more experiences when you touch down, eat better, stay better. So you're saving money just to live better. And those are different ways you can save money with this. Yeah, because being able to reinvest in yourself as a business owner, sleeping well, eating good food... I mean, this doesn't get talked about enough, but I mean, if you can feed yourself really fantastic food, high quality food, your energy levels are going to go up. If you have a proper night's rest every night, even when you're on the road, your energy levels will go up. Meaning when you're in a meeting and you have to make decisions, you're going to make better decisions, which means your business will actually benefit from this. So all of these types of things have a cumulative effect. You know, I did an episode, I don't know, a few months ago when I talk about the things that I do to set myself up for success. And I had some people surprised that I'm spending seven, $800 a month on supplementation. And it's like, well, no, it's an investment in myself. I'm not just doing it for shits and giggles. I mean, I do it because my brain has to be working at peak prosperity. And I have a lot of things that I need to do for my business and to run a seven figure business. I can't be, you know, eating McDonald's all day long and sleeping four hours a night and eating a, uh, a chewable multivitamin. And that's an it, you know, like uh, Flintstones chewable multivitamin. That's not going to cut it. But yeah. when you think big picture about your life and how you take care of yourself, I think it's really important. So 
flying this way and getting the most out of everything you've got is certainly the way to go. So here's a slightly related to the supplementation. I've been taking magnesium and glycate as a sleep enhancement. Unbelievable. It's, it's a game changer. Magnesium, when I started taking that a couple of years ago, it like changed my whole life, especially for the I've, first six months. It was insane. I've never slept better. So yeah. people were not expecting to get health advice on this podcast, but <laughs> magnesium and glycate before bed, about an hour before you want to sleep, changed my life. It's incredible. Yeah, I will fully, fully endorse that because I take both of those on a nightly basis. And I think it's so important because, you know, you mentioned digital nomad and you travel a lot. Well, I travel a lot. Making sure that we get so much sleep at a proper sleep when we're changing time zones, I think is so important. Now, from the digital nomad side, what else are you seeing out there with digital nomad hotspots or where people are going? Or are there like hubs or bases that people try to position themselves in when they're taking advantage of this and traveling around the world? Yeah, I'm, I'm very involved with the nomad community, both just kind of following different trends. At this point, I, I know a lot of people who are known within the scene of being digital nomads. So a lot of my travel habits tend to go between this, these different destinations. Probably nothing new to your readers, but as far as destinations, Bali, Mexico City, Medellin, Colombia, kind of the same spots. And it is interesting to see how the trend changes. For example, a couple of years ago, I lived in Mexico City for a year. And this was right about the time where Mexico City was becoming well-known. And now, three or four years later, I'm seeing all these articles about how local Mexicans are sick of all the digital nomads. They absolutely hate us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these trends are, are, they are very interesting because then you know people start migrating to the next spot. Which if I had to guess, I would say, even though it's been popular for a while, I would say Cape Town is becoming, you know, more and more of a spot for people. But yeah, there's a lot to talk about as far as that digital nomad scene. And when you have the miles and points, you can jump between them and check them out and see what's best for you. Well, what my family's really focused on right now is setting up bases in really big hubs around the world. But more than that, hubs that are completely on the different side of a cultural divide or religious or state lines. So for example, the big one that we're doing right now is a citizenship by investment in Turkey, and we'll be buying an apartment there and using that as a base and having easy access to the new terminal at Istanbul International Airport, using that as a base to travel all through that region. You know, I always affectionately do what I call the hub and spoke model. So I'll have a base and I'll go out from there. Right now I'm in Panama, so we've been exploring South America like crazy. And we're going to the Caribbean every month. You know, there's always something we're doing on the go. And it was the same thing when I lived in Abu Dhabi for eight years. I traveled to all of the GCC countries and I traveled extensively in Africa. And, you know, that was a great place. When I lived in Australia, that was the same thing. I traveled throughout the South Pacific for four years just living in Australia because it was so fast. So I think that it's really good with the points and the miles that you are basing yourself in a place that has a really fantastic international airport and then using that hub and spoke model to travel out from there and see the rest of the world. Exactly. Now, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned the hotel points. Now, this is something that I've really not given much thought to. I probably have 50 different cards from different hotels, but I don't know if I've ever actually redeemed anything. I think I'm kind of just quite promiscuous with my hotels and stay at all of them. Yeah, the hotel points, 
It's the same idea as the airline miles, but there are some major differences. So as far as US credit card signup bonuses, we're talking about the major hotel chains. So Hilton, Marriott, Hyatt, IHG, which includes Crown Plaza, Intercontinental, some lower end hotels like Holiday Inn. So there are credit card signup bonuses exclusively for hotel points. And I've noticed, interestingly, that a lot of the digital nomad type people, they could care less about hotel points. I really have to convince them that you want these because at some point you will find yourself on a quick visit, let's say a two or three nights in, a, in an expensive city. And instead of staying an hour outside downtown, you could stay at the nicest centrally located hotel for free. So what hotels are we talking about? We're talking about Park Hyatt's, Ritz-Carlton's, Intercontinental's, very nice hotels. And depending which region of the world, these, these can be $700 to $1,000 plus per night. And that's the equivalent of half or maybe even a fourth of a credit card signup bonus. And then another, the reason I say they're different than airline miles is simply for having the, the co-branded hotel credit card, whether it's a Marriott card, Hilton, or Hyatt, some of these cards have elite benefits, free breakfast, free upgrades, yearly statement credits. And just for having the card active, each year you receive a free hotel night. So I'll get into this a little bit. So you might pay an annual fee of $95 for a free hotel night. But the reason you want to pay that, in fact, I wish I could pay it more often, is that you pay $95, you get a free hotel night that you can redeem for $400, $500, $600. So it's not free, but it's a great deal because you're essentially getting a 90% discount sometimes, depending on how you redeem it. Okay. I remember also, I don't know how long ago, it was three or four years ago, I was in China. I mean, I've been to China 20 some odd times, but one of the times that we were there, we were staying at one of the big branded hotels. And because we had, I don't know if it was because we had enough miles or we had something, but every day they were doing basically a happy hour lounge in the hotel where there was food and there was drinks. And so we went there like every day with my wife's parents for like the week or two weeks that we were in Beijing and we would have cocktails and a bottle of champagne and everything was included in this. It was amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm so used to being treated VIP in hotels that I forget about these benefits. But yes, there are hotel credit cards that give you evening lounge access. So it's, it's a happy hour, usually about three to four hours in the evening where you have buffet, hors d'oeuvres, wine, cocktails. And for me, it usually replaces a dinner. So I will go to the happy hour, have some wine. And usually it's on the top floor. So you have a view over the beautiful city, wherever you are, eating free food, drinking wine. It's just an incredible benefit that would normally cost, you know, lounge access might be $100, $200 if you were to do that without the credit card benefit. So if you're staying at a lot of hotels, that benefit really does add up and it does make your stay just much more enjoyable. Yeah, I was well surprised with this because you you get so used to, okay, breakfast is included, huge buffet, you know, you have a big breakfast when you're at a nice hotel. But now the ones who are actually doing, you know, the happy hour and all of that's included, I'm like, this is amazing. This is what I, I'm going to be looking for this more. The other thing that you had mentioned earlier in the conversation was getting access to the business class or first class lounge at the airports. Now, what I've found is sometimes I'm actually flying business class and 
in the outstation destination, they don't have a lounge of their own. But what I have is Priority Pass. Now, I've heard that Priority Pass in the United States is terrible, but internationally, it's been fantastic. We've had it for a while now. And I, I give you an example. I flew business class Copa Airlines down to Uruguay, to Montevideo. And it was fine leaving Panama. Obviously, we've got the Panama Business Class Lounge. But coming back on the direct flight from Montevideo to Panama City, my business class seat would not give me access to the lounge there. So I pulled out Priority Pass, and I was able to go in with my family for that. Yeah. So for people not familiar, Priority Pass has, I believe, 1,200 different airport lounges around the world. Uh, it is a free benefit of many credit cards. So simply for having a credit card, you receive access to 1,200 lounges. And the quality definitely varies depending on where you are and which airport. But with that said, I almost never set foot inside an airport without free food and drinks. So even if it's a lesser quality lounge, you still have a private space, usually a couch or some type of desk situation table and wine and food. Again, the food may not may or may not be high quality depending on the airport, but you're still not fighting for a plug with hundreds of other people sitting on the floor. You have a private quiet space. So it is a huge benefit as well. So along those same lines, anytime you redeem miles and points for business class or first class, you have instant access to the business or first class lounge within that alliance. So to give you an example, if you're flying, let's say, United Business Class to Germany, once you get to Germany, say Frankfurt or another major airport, you now also have access to the Lufthansa lounges because United and Lufthansa are part of the same alliance. So, you know, it's, it spoils you. It's a great benefit when you're traveling. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to circle back to what we said before, you need to spoil yourself. I give you guys all permission to spoil yourselves. You absolutely should spoil yourselves. You're worth it. Go do this. Trevor, amazing conversation. I've learned an absolute ton today, and I'm sure my listeners have as well. Maybe you can take a second and kind of explain to us how you help your clients and then where people can get a hold of you or if they want to reach out to you. Yeah. Again, besides pitching my services. If you're you an American, pitch, you pitch for <laughs> you go crazy pitching because I think this is very valuable guys. So you absolutely have permission to pitch here. Whether you work with me or not, if you're an American with decent credit scores, there is no good reason you should not be taking advantage of these signup bonuses. So what I do for my clients is I work with you one-on-one. -on -one. This will save you time and costly mistakes. Because if you make a mistake, it might cost you a business class one way. We're talking $5,000. So what I do for my clients, one-on-one -on -one service, within 18 months, I'll earn you a million miles. That's what I do. I take great pride in getting my clients to the million-mile mark. To put that in perspective, you can fly US, Europe, anywhere for $45,000 to $80,000. So you can imagine a million miles and points is a lot of free travel. And it's just an easy way to save money, upgrade your travel experiences, and like you said, spoil yourself. Because if you can do this, clicking buttons at little out-of-pocket expense, why not? This is an incredible, incredible system only for Americans. Take advantage of it. Well, I think that is an amazing offer and one that people should absolutely look into. Now, if they want to get a hold of you, what is the best way to do that? 
So you can check me out on my website, milemethod.com or on Instagram on milemethod. Those are the two places I'm most active. You can also set up a free phone consultation. We'll talk it out and we'll see if it's a good fit for you. Brilliant. I love it, Trevor. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and being so free and open with explaining all of this. It's fantastic. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. So you guys may have seen in the email newsletter that I got expatmoney.com. This is a URL that I have been wanting to get for like six years now. Some other company had it based out of Dubai and they wouldn't sell it to me. They weren't even using it. They weren't doing anything with it, but they wouldn't sell it to me. The guy just said, I'm going to hold on to it and you can't have it. So I tried to negotiate and we went back and forth many, many, many times over the years and I finally negotiated it. I'm not going to tell you how much it cost, but it was not cheap. I paid a pretty penny for this. So the main website going forwards for all of my work is going to be expatmoney.com. We still have expatmoneyshow.com, but that's really going to be designated just for the podcast itself. But on the other one, we're going to have webinars. We have new articles. We started a new blog. We've got new lead magnets. We even started a store on there that we're going to be selling different courses and programs. So there's going to be tons of exciting things happening at expatmoney.com. So you guys can go there, check out the new website, let me know what you think and then bookmark the website because you're going to want to come back literally every single week because we got so much exciting things coming out. So expatmoney.com. I'm really excited. I hope you guys are too. There's going to be lots of cool stuff there for you. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.